Welcome, welcome, one and all, to Take 52. We have a jam-packed episode. We're talking all Joker, folks. It is on the big screens. Kamiko and I saw it. We are going to dive in to our review. This is going to be a non-spoiler review. And then we'll get into spoilers for those of you who have seen it and want to stick around and hear our intakes about it, our, you know, diving in to what we think, some comparisons, uh, everything like that. And then we're going to be talking about where it is on IMDb. It's currently number nine, so we'll see how it holds up. But again, without further ado, Kamiko, let's do it. Strap up. Dude, I, I cannot wait to talk about this movie. It is overdue. Not even overdue. It's just like, it's been so hard because we've seen it and I've wanted to talk with so many people and ever. it's such a great movie because it's one of those movies that anyone can see and form an opinion and get a good start into critical thinking on film. And that's sure. why I think it's awesome because normally you get a movie that people want to talk about, but it's like a, le- it's, it's a limited release film or it's something that not everyone's going to see, but Joker has wide appeal. I think that's why it's running up so high in the ranks of all time movies, which we'll get to later. But first off, how you doing, dude? How's everything? Oh, I'm great. Like, like I mentioned, I've just been thinking about this movie a lot this past weekend. Yes. I saw it Thursday night, like you did. And actually I saw IMAX. You did? It was my first IMAX outing since, geez, I really don't know the last time I saw an IMAX movie. Wait, why'd you see it in IMAX? So uh, my friend, uh, Kyle Fitzy, when he saw that we tweeted about the Joker, and it was like a month ago, and he just commented on the post that we posted regarding all the positive reviews it got, he's like, let's go see it. And then he texts me like roughly two weeks ago, and he's like, hey, I'm buying tickets. He's like, let's do luxury. I was like, all right, <laughs> count me in. <laughs> and he bought the tickets. And so showed up 715 Thursday. That was my first time sitting in the recliner seating at a Megaplex. It was wonderful. Oh, and better than Cinemark's recliner because you can actually recline that puppy. There's like four buttons. Oh, my gosh. You no can be way. Like, you can elevate your recliner. It feels like 20 feet. <laughs> like I felt like I was blocking. People. That's great. Dude, okay, so this is a total side note. Super comfortable. What did you think of the IMAX in general? I thought it was good. Um, there was, I, I prefer just the regular screen. Mm-hmm. However, I didn't mind the IMAX by no means. I mean, it's a huge screen. Like, I had to actually, like, keep my head over the railing to see kind of, like, the bottom screen sometimes because yeah. it was cut off by, like, a foot. But it was great. It was great. I'm... I'm not like anti IMAX. I'm not like super pro IMAX. Like I have to see everything in IMAX, but it was great. What about you? Didn't you see a movie recently in IMAX? Dude, I saw, I saw, okay. So I bought tickets for Endgame in IMAX. Like, oh, balls okay. out. I wanted to make sure I had the best scene, like, you know, best <laughs> yeah. seating for it, best screen for it. Yeah. I didn't really notice a difference. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe that's just like my dumb brain being like, oh, it's a screen, it's a movie, it doesn't make a difference. I didn't notice a difference. I thought it was just like, yeah. okay, maybe a little bit bigger, but it didn't add anything to the experience. Sure. And I think like with Dunkirk, that was filmed on IMAX cameras. And yeah. apparently that was a movie that you I watched really that in IMAX. See in IMAX. And I, like, okay. I guess I kind of noticed the sound was maybe a little better and it was a little different, but not by a lot. Yeah. Well, speaking of sound, I will say that probably my favorite thing about Joker was his laugh. Dude, 
I thought it was hilarious. It was cringy. And just the timing of his laugh would just kill me. When he, from the early get-go, when he's in the bus station, and it shows us in the trailers, when he's making that kid laugh, <laughs> and the lady's like, hey, knock it off. The crazy part about that, and, that, that, that scene is it, it, go, it goes on so long. You're sitting there and you're like, this should end. There, but yeah. it just keeps going. And he's like, it's so painful too. Like, it's just something that, he has so much emotion, but it causes him so much pain. And it, it's yeah. right from the first scene. It totally just gives off the vibe. And that's so important in the start of a movie is you want to make sure that the first like scene shows exactly who your main character is, what their motivations are, what kind of a person they are. And it's perfect. He's putting on his Joker makeup and go working as a clown that he works as. Um, overall, though, I'm just going to give a quick synopsis. Of Joker. Yes. All right. We're going to dive right. We're, we're starting right now. Because I think you're doing good. Yeah. I'm doing good. <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I've, I've been thinking nothing of this movie and I'm so excited to talk about it finally. Um, so yeah, give us a synopsis. This is, this is our quick review, non-spoiler. So those who are here, get ready. Yeah, we'll let you know when the spoilers grade. come in. We'll go, we'll get, yeah. The, okay, so Joker is a film written by Todd Phillips and Scott Silver and it was directed by Todd Phillips. Many of you know him from War Dogs, Old School, and probably most famously, The Hangover Trilogy. He It's his first movie since War Dogs that he's directed. And it's an origin story set in 1981, following Arthur Fleck, a mentally ill, failed stand-up comedian who turns a life of crime and chaos in Gotham City. And I think that's the best description that we could get it. Yeah, I mean, that's it. He's just... Dude, I just, I don't know where to start with this. So we'll start at the beginning where it sets up his origin. He's a clown. He's, everyone thinks he's weird. He's got this condition where he just laughs in moments where he shouldn't laugh. And right in the get-go, did you think, okay, how much am I going to sympathize with him? What were your thoughts about the character? You know, I, I don't know. I was just kind of there analyzing his character and I was blown away. I mean, I'm just going to start this off. Joaquin Phoenix gave one of the greatest performance from a lead performance I've ever seen, like in the theaters, like this past decade, I cannot think right out, right out of the gate of a better lead performance. So I, I kind of sympathize with him when, I mean, it shows us in the trailers where those kids just steal his sign and they break it. I mean, getting bullied, that sucks. So, I thought the first the first act I will say was a little slow. It's it's a build up, but man, the second and third act really really take off. And we'll get into that with the spoilers. However, I mean, this whole movie is just basically Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, if there's a run the runtime's what, 2 hours? Right on the dot? Yeah, it's probably he, a little bit a, less, but with trailers and everything, yeah, it's 2 hours. Um, and he's, he's in the movie. Like he is on the screen, like roughly 95%. Yeah. I, you know I, what I mean? I'd like say he, that you, you, about right. you run all the minutes together. Like of him just on the screen, it's probably he's There's probably like five to 10 minutes of just not being on the screen is amazing. Yeah. The movie's 122 minutes. So it's just over two hours. And I'd say about 115 minutes of the movie he's in it. Yeah, and that, yeah. that's no exaggeration. So, what what I enjoyed is, you know, as he's beaten up by the by the kids in the street, 
is it gives you this sense that they've already set up the fact that he suffers from mental illness. Mm-hmm. And what I think it's important, especially with all the comparisons of Joker to Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, is what's important to any character that you have is, and even the villain, is that you can at least empathize with them. Now, there's a difference between sympathizing and empathizing with a character. You know, when you empathize someone, for example, the Joker in The Dark Knight talks about how if I were to go and, you know, kill a bunch of random citizens, no one bats an eye. But if I go and threaten to kill the mayor, everyone loses their freaking minds. And we empathize with that thinking, yeah, why is it that we're so much more concerned on the lives of those who have power than those have little to no power and that's a theme that goes on and is common in this movie where joe you know arthur fleck is kind of a nobody and he gets beat up all the time and no one does anything he gets pushed around and people laugh at him and i think that's a good message that it sends is there's so many people who suffer around us and it's so important that we take the time to lend a helping hand to them to not criticize those who are suffering from possible mental illness and try and go that extra mile to help them. And I think that's what helps is we empathize with him. We do not sympathize with the Joker and think, yeah, like I'm going to go be a crazy person and start killing people. No, that's not what it is. It stops right at empathy. And that's what I think is great about what this character and villain that they've de- developed this script. Yeah. And this, this, I love that. Great take. And this, this movie is dark. It's a, it's yes. a dark film. And that's what I was expecting going in. I thought, man, how much Joker is going to be on the surface of this film? Is this just going to be an origin movie? It's going to be pretty light. How many, you know, how many people is he going to kill? You know, how many, how much chaos is he going to create? So I was really interested to see how things would unfold. And from the get go, I mean, in the first act, it sets it up when his coworker gives him a gun to protect himself. And that's when things just spiral down for Arthur Fleck is once he gets that gun. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of time to get into spoilers because this movie's pretty hard to talk about without spoilers. Um, but I will give you my grade because I thought the score was amazing. It kind of had this, except for this, there's one song that I was just dying at what I, what I was not expecting. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I definitely know. And here we go. <laughs> I've, dude, I've been doing you know, his dance I, I was, I, all the I was time throughout the last that, couple days. Dude. What's up? I can't stop doing his dance. It kills me. Oh, Absolutely kills me when he's on the steps. I was, I was randomly he'll dance. Song. Yeah. So I'm going to give the movie an A, and I have just one beef with the movie, which we'll get into with the spoilers, but like I said, the performance by Joaquin Phoenix, amazing. This guy, give him an Oscar. Adam Sandler, watch out. <laughs> Dude, I, you know, I what I found with the movie, and a lot of criticisms has been, is it's very similar to King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. I recently just watched Taxi Driver on Wednesday to get ready for Joker. And while there are some similarities, I feel like Todd Phillips actually creates a, creates his own flow to a movie. Like, this isn't a movie 
that Martin Scorsese could go out and direct. You know, it, it doesn't look the same. It doesn't feel the same. It might have similar themes, but it's not the same. And King of Comedy, I know loosely what the theme is about. And basically what you have there is, you know, a down on his luck comedian who wants to impress a talk show host. So I can see where the comparisons come in. The theme or the score is awesome. The gripes that I have, we'll probably talk about a little bit. They're just some performances that I found weren't very good. Mm -hmm. But overall, I got to give it an A+. Uh, wow. It's nothing that can take my grade down from what I think it is and from where this movie ranks. I mean, this movie's right up there with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me this year. And I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, what I think is going to happen is I think he's going to get the Oscar this year for the same reason that Leonardo DiCaprio got his Oscar for The Revenant. That, the Revenant was not his best acting performance. But because he was so overdue and it was kind of his time, they gave it to him. So I think I'm heading more towards Joaquin Phoenix winning this year. I mean, we haven't seen Uncut Gems, though. <laughs> Adam Sandler, he's a dark horse, man. I, I think from what I've heard, Adam Sandler is in the running as well. But I'm going to go with yeah. my boy Joaquin on this one. So I want to ask you a question, Keeks. Yes. Love that. Um What's your take on a movie like this in a time like this where it almost praises, uh, you know, Arthur Fleck that has, you know, he's, he's crazy. He's a psychopath. You know what I mean? And he creates chaos and same with Taxi Driver. I mean, kind of this is a sweet movie morsel. I wouldn't say it's sweet. Definitely not sweet. But I mean, uh, in the years leading up to John F. Hinckley Jr., the one that attempted assassination on President Ronald Reagan, he was obsessed with the movie Taxi Driver. He saw the movie roughly 15 times, and he read and reread the book it was based upon, and even bought the soundtrack of the film, listening to it for hours on end. And um, I'm reading that source here. And what what's your take on on Joker? this type of film hitting the theaters and this type of age. Cause I mean, we see it, we see it all the time. I mean, this is not a political pod by no means, but we see these shootings, these terrible shootings, these tragedies of these people who are not mentally stable. Well, yeah. And even going back to what happened with the dark Knight rises, the showing of, um, in Aurora and everything that happened there, whoever was it's, um, whoever was exposed to the dark Knight was inspired by the Joker and committed that horrible crime. And even to the point where I don't think the theater is showing Joker because of what happened, you know, so many years ago. And there's a question that was, that has been asked in the media lately of what you've said is, is it a creator's responsibility to teach and enforce morals through their work? And it's not in no way. Is it a, a theater, an artist, a creator shouldn't have to worry about the backlash or anything that they create because of the times. I think that's why we have creators that are able to push the boundaries like this movie and teach and attempt to teach something, attempt to show what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, as soon as they announced a movie about Joker, what what did we th what did we think was going to happen? Did someone just think it was going to be like a nice portrayal of this insane person who has been shown for years that is capable yeah, of such yeah. atrocities? Like well, I don't know, I don't know why everyone's bringing it up now. I mean, it's almost like they keep bringing it up until it happens. 
until someone finally yeah. does something inspired by this movie so that they can say, see, it was dangerous. Yeah. It, until and that's it the happens, thing, like, they're not going to stop talking about it. And it's just, it's Todd Phillips has talked about it and he's a little bit annoyed, but you can still be edgy. You can still do things and make a great movie and make people think. And I think that's what it's done. Yeah. And that's the thing. The Joker is a very, very complex character. We've known that since we were, geez, in our just whitey tighties out of the <laughs> womb. Good night. So yeah, I, you know, it's, it, it's, 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 it's a film. Like, you know, that's, I think Mark Hamill said it best a few years ago. Like it's an, it's way to escape reality and find entertainment, whether that's, you know, there's some dark films out there. There's some, yeah, taxi some crazy driver things. when it came out. Oh my yeah. gosh, it caught so much flack for its message and what happened. I mean, I mean, look at John Wick. That that guy kills like, you know, over 150 people in one film. So there's always going to be violence. There's always going to be uh, these portrayals and um, commentary about a film. So yeah, I just wanted to get your opinion on that because that's been a hot topic as of late, especially with this movie because it has some commentary on some certain things in this film. So yeah. anyways... So we're, we're getting into spoilers now, right? Yeah, we're, let's get into the spoilers. I think we've, you know, covered our bases here, but I'm ready. I'm ready to talk spoilers and give you my interpretation because this movie makes you think. And I want to give you a couple of my really one major gripe that I've already told you. And yeah. Okay. This is in five, four, three, <laughs> two and a half. Turn back now Two. One starting. Okay, let's go. So what was it a dream? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Okay. So from in the killing joke, what I love is that there's a quote that the Joker says was, if I'm going to have a backstory, it's going to be multiple choice. And everyone's concern going into this is, okay, we don't need a Joker movie because he doesn't need a backstory. There's no backstory needed. But the perfect thing about this movie it's exactly what you said. You have no idea if any of it happened, if any of it was true, because Arthur is not a reliable narrator. No, no, he's not. And from the very get-go of this film, when he stalked his, uh, you know, his neighbor just down the hall, Sophie. Yes. She came to his door afterwards and said, "Did you did you follow me all day?" And Arthur was just like, uh, "Yeah, I did." And she's <laughs> charmed by it. And I was sitting in the theater. I was like. BS. No one would ever be charred by that unless it was Daisy Ridley following me around all day that I would be charmed. So, so right from there, I was like, no way. This girl, this has to be an illusion. He's just hallucinating right now. And come to find out, sure enough, he was. Which was kind of fun to pick up on that. And, I, and I'm going to, that what you the hallucinations, I've got a great question that I want to ask you when the time comes. Okay. But, I leaned over to Becky at one point. I'm like, there's no way this girl would be with him. There's no way. And of course, th- and that's what I loved about this movie is it sets up your expectations to think one thing's going to happen. That is so dumb. And then it's just like, you dummy. I can't believe you thought we were going to do that. That's too cliche. That's stupid. Boom. Cuts it yeah. right off. And so that worked so well, especially with so, them. You think that they're going to date or whatever. Yeah. Well, Nope. I was no. like, man, if this works for him, maybe I should start doing that. Okay, so in the beginning of the movie, I have a question about this, and I've been wondering about it since starting, is with the theme of the girl with Sophie is, you know, in the beginning, when he gets beat up with the kids with the sign, and his boss is like, hey, you know, you didn't come back with the sign, and the owner's really mad, I'm going to have to take it out of your paycheck. And then Arthur says, well, the kids beat me up for it. 
think he was lying? Do you think he actually was beaten up at all? Did did it show? He, did he have any bruises? I don't remember any bruises. I mean, you see him on his back, but later on in the movie, you come to understand that as a child, he was beaten. So I was kind of like, are those from the dudes kicking him? Or is that just from years of trauma and abuse? Yeah. And then, and then it cuts to the scene where he gets fired and it shows him by the dumpster and he's just stomping his foot. Do you remember that scene? Yes. And I thought that was out of frustration, but apparently that was depicting him stomping and killing his boss. Oh, no. What do you think about that? Scene? No, because I think his I, boss, I, it could be. But I, I thought think, that was just out of frustration. Like he was just ticked off and he was just, you know, could be this. For all we know, it could be the sign back there that he stole. It doesn't show anything, you know? So I want to I want to kind of come to this as well, because this was an image that I really liked. And I'm, I, I'm sure you picked up on this, too. So once he gets the gun, he's at the children's hospital and he's, you know, performing. <laughs> and that scene was hilarious because this this movie had really tense, suspenseful scenes. And then it would be funny with just Arthur Fleck and his mannerisms and his laugh. So anyways, during this, the gun falls out and he hides it really quickly and he's just like shrugs. And then the next yeah. scene, the next scene is him in the phone booth. He's just getting chewed out by his boss. And he's like, yeah, you're done. Okay. This is after the gun. Like he was already kind of on probation with the whole sign stealing. And then he gets uh, fired. And in this image, he he lands his head in the phone booth and you see the image of the glass cracked and shattered and from this point on I noticed that that's when the Joker started to go a lot more crazy okay then and that's I thought, what... and I really like that image now remind, remind me because I, I don't really remember did after that did he stalk Sophie the next day because I'm pretty sure that's what happened I don't, oh gosh, I don't remember. I'd have to go back and yeah. watch it again, but I believe, no, no, what what happens is after that scene is when he's on the subway. And this is what I thought, exactly what you said. That's is, right, yep, yep, that's he, right. It was the subway and then the three men, that's right. And the three men, so what sets up is these three like equivalent of like Wall Street bankers, they work for Wayne Industries. Kind of cool, side note, kind of cool how they work in bits from the comic you know wayne industries arkham asylum it was really cool to be like okay this is like this is gotham it doesn't seem like but this seems like a real city that's happening so i thought the the environments and the you know the settings were awesome um these three like wall street owner or these wall street workers younger dudes are kind of hitting on this woman but being very aggressive and arthur just starts laughing you know, his uncontrollable disease. And he, earlier in the movie, he gives a card to a woman. He was like laughing with her kid. And the card says, you know, please forgive me. I have, I have condition that I uncontrollably laugh and I can't control it. Then like in parentheses, please hand me back this card. And as yeah, he's yeah. laughing, says, please kindly return. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And as he's laughing, the dudes start coming over. And I was like, yo, what's your problem? Start kind of messing with him. And that's when they start beating him up. And from the gun that you mentioned earlier, he shoots these guys, which I thought was maybe a little bit unrealistic. Doesn't show that maybe he has any experience with a gun, but who knows? You know, I, I don't know. He shoots he, it once while he's dancing with himself. So 
Maybe that was apparently, enough experience he's he played, needed. Apparently he's played Halo. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, but I this question that I've been thinking about is, do you think the woman on the subway was real? Or do you think he was using that as an excuse to trigger his violent tendencies and start and jumpstart his transition into the Joker? I think she was real. That's my opinion. Okay. I don't know, man. Because the reason why I don't know if she was is because the the train never stops in between. And she makes her way to the back of the train and they and the the last remaining thug is walking the same path that he went and Arthur and it shows the man going that way, but it never shows the woman as he had, as she had gone that that same way. Like you would think she'd be in the next cab. Like because, I mean, freaking you can, out you, or noticing yeah, you that he had been shot. Being in New York, you can walk. You can walk cabs and like open up the door and walk to the next one. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a good question. I think she was real, but she couldn't have been real. And maybe those guys were just, you know, yeah, maybe that was what triggered it. And, and so, it, it could be that he just, you know, was noticing that they're well off and he wanted some sort of excuse to to act and kind of feel free. And he'd noticed that maybe shooting the gun earlier helped kind of f- helped him feel like, Oh wow. Like I have power and I feel like my life is in control. Let yeah. me try it on someone now. Yeah. And just before this, like I mentioned with the, the glass shattering and then the next scene shows him meeting with his social worker and the social worker mentions, Hey, we're cutting off all the funding. And then he asks, where can I get my meds? And then he gets off his meds. So everything else is just spiraling down from that one moment where the gun falls out. Yeah. Cracks the head, shattered glass, nice little image there, symbolism. And then, boom, social worker is like, yeah, we're funding is being cut off. We're not doing this anymore. So I want to ask you about the Waynes. What do you think about the Waynes being involved in this film? I did not see that coming at all. Did you like that? Did you like how Thomas Wayne was, you know, kind of had the image, almost like Donald Trump, in a sense? Yeah, it's interesting to see who he would be compared to. I know, I feel like that's an easy comparison, but I don't know who I would compare him to. Because as you learn is, Arthur takes care of his mother, and his mom has been writing Thomas Wayne for like 30 years. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, Thomas Wayne's a good man, he'll help us, I used to work for him. You know, we're family. We're when we work with him, we're family. And Arthur notices this letter that his mom wrote to Thomas Wayne where it says, Your son, and Arthur puts it together that, oh, Thomas Wayne is my dad. And that's the moment for me where I'm like, You gotta be kidding me. Yeah. Batman and Joker are like half brothers. No way. And like that's you said, I- is how are the Waynes portrayed? And I think at that moment when Joker lands, he ends up at the Wayne's manor. And little Bruce is out there and he's like out his little magic wand doing magic tricks with Bruce and creepily puts his fingers and tries to make him smile. Yeah. And the, I, I actually really like that scene because from what from what I understand in this movie, it portrays the Waynes as just being stuck up snobs. And from what I understand from, you know, from the Dark Knight, from the other lore of Batman they were viewed as philanthropists, correct? 
Did, didn't no they help the city, much. or were they just were they just kind of doing their own thing? I mean, I just don't think that they're really involved too much in the movie, obviously, since Bruce kind of takes over his father's company. Yeah. But from the movies and everything, where it says is yes, they're they're portrayed as good people. So, and then that's the thing that's that's kind of coming out of the view as the Joker is his narrative is you know he may think they're terrible people, and I also noticed that in um, when he's riding the subway, the the newspaper headings are like. It says, like, killing the rich, the rich are terrible, you know what I mean? And is that from, like, the Joker's view? And I thought it was, because that's a that's a pretty interesting headline to have. Oh, I did think that that scene with all of the rich people in the really nice train was was off. I didn't know what it was. Why does it seem so forced and, the, and weird? And the head, yeah, yeah, and the headlines of the newspaper were, you know, pretty pretty interesting. So yeah, I'm going to get into love, my Okay, goal. I love that. What's up? No, I love that you noticed that. I didn't even think I'm much gonna, about it. Ki- kidding me? You know, I'm trying to be like geeks, trying to, we, trying to contribute. We've so, got one big brain between us. You know, I get some things, you get them th- some things, put it together. Yeah. And it's super So sweet. I'm going to get into my gripe right now because right. this is going to kind of be towards the end of the movie. We'll get into some uh, more stuff. But with him going off the deep end, um, he, he kills the three guys on the subway and then he starts this movement right mm-hmm. and I think that movement was real I think a lot of that was legit that was not his view I think some of it was you know his hallucination but most of that movement was actually real that happened and then when he stabs his co-worker when they come over and they hear about the death of his mom because yeah, he killed her. Mm-hmm. That was pretty intense. Yeesh. And then that apartment scene where he stabs the coworker with the scissor man. Wow. That was tense ugh. and like darkly funny. We'll talk yeah, more because, about that. Because the Mitch is like trying to get out. He could ease his disbelief. And um, I love how he just kisses him on the forehead and he mentions like, <laughs> you are always nice to me and just lets him off easy. What happens is so the little so he kills his worker that gave him the gun and then the little guy is in the corner and he's just so scared and he's like don't worry you can go don't worry and so the little guy kind of moves and he heads towards the door and the door is deadbolted shut and he can't reach the deadbolt and you're just like oh my gosh is he going to kill him and I know I thought he's just like uh, Arthur I can't I can't reach the door please and Arthur just stands up he's like oh I'm so sorry and he unlocks it and he's exactly what you said just you were always so nice imagine to imagine being before. in that situation imagine being I just, in that situation and asking and a my killer pants. for a favor oh my goodness so yeah that scene was intense so anyways um and then everything starts to spiral down the chaos he goes on the talk show host he sees that he's getting bullied he's getting made fun of and he dude i saw it coming he pops murray franklin wow now did you did you think that happened okay so gosh it's so hard because i i feel like we have to fast forward so much for me to be able to explain so much of what i've thought but i do because you know arthur has this whole he bombs in this stand-up um this stand-up basically what's a you know the stand-up performance 
and Murray plays it, invites him on the show to kind of make fun of him, kind of not. And I think he does. I th- I think he did. Like, you know, it's just like any other person. If someone had a bomb and doing something and it was so funny and it went viral, they'd probably go on the Jimmy Fallon show. I think it's real. And it, yeah. in that moment when Joker, I'm going to refer to him as Joker now. because He's fully the Joker. He's not Arthur anymore. Mm-hmm. He has made that transition and he's talking about how, you know, you all treat me like crap. He has a knock, knock joke where he says, you know, knock, knock there that says like your son has cancer like gives this horribly cruel joke and no one laughs and he's just like come on laugh it's funny you just realize he's so far gone and i think he did i i I realized that that moment and even just during his monologue that oh my what i wouldn't give i'd give him a blank check just to have him appear in every batman film since then to see him orchestrate things as the joker just be yeah. make another dark night, put Joaquin in there and see him go to work. So cool. Do you think he did it? I think he did. Yeah. So I'll, I'll get into what I think really happened. What didn't happen here towards tail end. And this kind of gets into my gripe. So after that, he, and I thought it was hilarious that he ki- kissed the, the elderly woman, the doctor that, that had me dead. That I think great. that's Dr. Ruth. Do you know who Dr. Ruth is? Uh, I don't remember who it is. I think it's an actual like real life doctor lady that does radio stuff in real life. Gotcha. But anyways, so yeah, kiss the lady on so, the mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then when he when he's in the when he's in the police car, and then he gets saved by his fellow, you know, mercenaries, so to speak, his fellow groupies, whatever. I thought that part was fake. I thought that that was hallucination with him standing on the cab, him you know, opening up his arms, putting the blood on his smile like that, which I thought was a really cool image with him putting the blood and doing the, on the cheeks. That was pretty cool. So I thought that was fake. And now this gets to my gripe because why, 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 why did they show the killing of the Waynes? That just felt rushed. It felt like they just threw it in there for fan service. I remember I even said it out loud. I was like, really? They're going to show this? (laughs) And they did. I just, I wish they would have alluded to it. I wish they didn't even show it. You know what I mean? So that makes me think, wow, is there going to be another series? Is, is Joaquin Phoenix going to uh, do a sequel with the, with the Batman after Robert Pattinson does his Batman movie, this next movie, and then the sequel will be, you know, Joker. So I just had a lot of question with that. I felt like it was rushed. They just decided to throw it in there. I didn't like it. That's my, my opinion. But yeah. Yeah. So here's here's my take on it is I think they included it to show that without Joker, there's no Batman and vice versa. You know, they, they they're so one yin and yang that it was mm-hmm. they showed that to be like, look, like he's what caused the fact that there's someone here on the opposite spectrum here to protect Gotham to make sure that people like the Joker do not run and control it. And at the same time being like, OK, because we're all sick of seeing this, the the origin stories of origins that we already know. So yeah. now this has been included in Joker. We don't have to put it in any of the other Batman movies. We're going to assume everyone saw Joker. We're just going to jump right into Robert Pattinson's Batman movies. Yeah. I think that's a possible reason why. Like you, I thought I was a little out of place, but it was kind of cool to be like, oh, wow, okay. But th- that's, that's how it would happen. Yeah. So I just thought it felt rushed. I mean, if it does come to future movies and they even like 
fall back on that, do like a quick flashback, that'll be like, okay, cool. Like it, it connects and it yeah, all comes together. I don't together. think they will. And I, I, I agree. The Joker and Batman are one. They're yin and yang. So that can be kind of like Batman's upbringing. And I'm all for like a new Batman series. I mean, the Dark Knight are phenomenal. And Heath Ledger as his performance as a Joker, absolutely legendary. I mean, I was watching highlights just when I got out of the Joker. I was watching, you know, some of his um, his his performance in the Dark Knight. Amazing. It was on TV yesterday. So and I watched think, it at the gym. So he, it was do you so, think? I want to ask this question. If Heath Ledger were still alive, do you think this Joker ma- movie would have been made? And if so, who would have been the Joker? Would have been Joaquin Phoenix or would have been Heath Ledger? Oh, man. Um, no, I don't think it exists. I think if Heath Ledger is still alive, we're still getting Batman movies. Yeah. I don't think we have any need for an origin story because we already have this story of the Heath Ledger Joker and this doesn't exist. You know, I think... Heath Ledger's still alive and we have a totally different DC universe. But DC's just been plagued with so many unfortunate happenings that we're, we've kind of ended up where we are now and where Joaquin is the Joker. And I think it's great. And yeah. Heath and, and Joaquin are such different actors that I couldn't give you an idea of who I think would be the Joker because anyone yeah. could do it. I mean, you could say Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling could do it. You know, no one thought that Heath Ledger would be a good Joker, but he was a great Joker. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a character that anyone could portray if they already are a good enough actor. And then just they're all committed going in. Yeah, Joaquin yes. Phoenix. I mean, the 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 amount of weight he dropped. Dude. Wow. He, he was skin and bones. Disgusting, dude, but yeah. so cool. Okay, I want to go so, back to the ending. I want to yeah, go back to the ending. Yeah, let's do it. Let's wrap this up. So <laughs> amazing. You said that you thought that it was a hallucination and the ending is maybe a figment of imagination. And I'm going to add to that. And I'll give you some backstory to this. So yesterday, as I was thinking about the ending and what it meant is shortly, you have one ending where the Joker, after he's hit by the ambulance, is alive and with his minions. And then there's another one where he's in Arkham. And I'm going to go back to what he says about, I want my story to be multiple choice. In addition to that, are you familiar with Paradise Lost? Do you know what that no. is? Paradise Lost is a poem written in the 17th century by the poet John Milton. And it's an epic poem. And it's essentially about um, the, it's the, the biblical story of the fall of man. So Satan's fall, Adam and Eve. And there is a quote in Paradise Lost where Satan has a monologue and he says, "Tis." You know, I'd rather to rule in hell than serve in heaven. And Mm. this came to my mind because there's this hellish landscape that the Joker has caused with all of his minions destroying Gotham. There's chaos all around him. And they lift him up as if he's like their king and their ruler. And he starts dancing and wipes the blood on his face. And in that essence, he's, he's ruling this hellish landscape. Now, that's one end of this version and the other version is quote unquote heaven because it's all white arkham he's trapped he's in shackles and he's still causing some sort of chaos he's interviewed by the woman and i think for me is it was almost in a way of a multiple choice two different endings he dies getting hit by the ambulance and you see one where he's in hell and he's ruling and one where he's in heaven where he's a servant 
and he's kind of in chains but still making the most of it that makes sense Woo. I like and that, that for me was I have no idea if that's what they were going for, but that's what I took from it. And it just made the movie that much cooler where you can Whoa. you can think either way, whatever whatever impression or thought that you have of the movie can work theoretically. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, so you think my my interpretation was that boom he got hit and then when he like I mentioned with all his minions that was hallucination. I, okay. I I I had the image that yes he got caught he got brought to Arkham Asylum he's locked up and he's meeting with this uh, this psychiatrist and talking to the doctor and he's like saying yeah it's a joke you wouldn't get it what, what was the last line wasn't it something like that yeah you wouldn't get it and it flashes to Bruce standing over his dead parents bodies. And yeah, and then and then it has him running down the hallway, having bloody footprints, alluding to that he killed this doctor, and then he's running back and forth, yeah. and then boom. Or maybe he didn't. And that's the thing. Like it, it could be that maybe maybe he this. was maybe he was in the asylum the whole time, exactly the whole time, and this is and he was just dreaming of being out, taking care of his mother. Maybe his mother died years yeah. before he went to the asylum and that was and he also was just what, raised in the asylum yeah exactly exactly so i i like to think that everything happened was legit besides sophie besides the ending when he's standing on the car i think the the talk show host happened and i think that he got caught and was in the asylum that's my interpretation i i, I respect everybody else's but I, I really like yours as well. Like he's the leader of hell right there or he's also in heaven and being a servant. So I yeah. don't know. I would like to see us to see him in a Robert Pattinson Batman. If that can be orchestrated and Joaquin Phoenix would sign on. Wow. And I don't think that would be stepping on the toes of Christian Bell and Heath Ledger's no, and Christopher Nolan's. They're I mean, stepping on the toes of, you know, uh, who is it? <laughs> of, my, of Val Kilmer or Michael Keaton and yeah. – uh, <laughs> What's his name? And that was Phil. Phil and Dark Knight. Well, remember his name. What's it? Why can't I think? Jack Nicholson. That's it. Yeah, Jack Nicholson. So I don't know. I thought it was a great film, and that's why I really liked about this movie as well. It makes you think. Like it had one of those endings. It's a little bit of a mind bender. You're like, hmm, what really happened? What was real? What was not real? So, man, what a ride! So I want to ask you. Currently, right now, IMDb. It's number nine. Now, the last movie of this decade that is in that has been good of a movie that has been received well was Interstellar. Yeah, I that, saw that. That was 2014. I mean, every other movie came out 2000s, 70s, 90s. Do you think Joker maintains momentum and stays in the top 20? Or does it get booted out to top 50, top 100? I mean, looking at the list of the movies, I was thinking that I'd put it right before Leon the Professional at 29. Okay, I respect that. As, as I, I'm I, just reading through the movies that I saw there, they're all in such a random, crazy order. Um, but I think that's where it makes it, the most sense. I'd put it probably... Jeez. Probably in the 40 through 50s. Okay. Okay. Around there. I mean, alone, just Joaquin Phoenix's performance was, was amazing. And this, this movie has borrowed ideas from, you know, Taxi Driver and whatnot. Like, it's an original movie, but it also has some borrowed concepts. 
Well, if you look at it, look at the first. Okay, so the first movie on IMDb, uh, Shawshank Redemption, that's based on a book. Yep, then Godfather. the two Godfather movies based on a book. Then you've got The Dark Knight based on a book. All the top movies are all based on something. They're not original ideas except for, you know, like 12 Angry Men. Um, Pulp Fiction, which fiction. I think should not be in the top 10. Is it? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't hate it. I kind of like that it's there. Top 10. I like Pulp Fiction My take. a lot. Hot take. All right. I like that take, though. We're serving you up hot takes <laughs> all the time, sweet TC. All, all the time. And so just to to put this into perspective, and I think this gives DC a great direction now with how this has worked is Joker was made with $60 million. It made $94 million domestically. It was projected to make between 80 and 90 and and it surpassed those projections and it made $234 million worldwide. It has already made up its budget. And if you think about Shazam, Shazam earlier this year, kind of a lower budget movie. It made like $300 million. I think I, I heard the budget for that was $40 million. Wow. And so if they can keep making decent superhero movies, make them feel grounded, um, yeah, I think they've got $100 million was its budget okay. for Shazam, which, you know, makes sense. That's fine. Th- and the I box think- office, yeah, about $365 million. I think DC is finding its stride. I think they should go. I think Marvel is very lighthearted. It's fine, you know, family. It's friendly. I think DC should kind of go the route of being a little bit dark, be a little bit gritty. Make 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 these movies are why not? Like people 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 will go to these movies and support. Like if you make the Batman movie rated R, make it a little bit edgy. That'd be pretty cool. I think it would be cool. But then you think about, you know, think about Batman versus Superman. They tried to make it dark and edgy and it just sucked. So it's like if they're yeah. going to do that, <laughs> that was so bad. If they've got to make it good. Like the Nolan movies, dark and edgy. Good. Yeah. Because they had yeah. a good script, good directors, you know, it was competent, everything around it. If they can get, you know, if they can surround these ideas with good creators, I'm all for it. I yep. think it's a little risky to do an R-rated Batman, you know, selling toys. I mean, merchandise, dude. <laughs> That's yeah. what sells. That's what sells, man. So True. making an R-rated movie for a, a movie that kids can't go see—that's hard. Mm-hmm. True, but it could. You know, they, they, could. they could make their money off the box office, off selling like those freaking like hot toys that everyone pays like you know like hundred dollars for a toy. They could do it, like yeah. you know, big adult man babies. They'll buy it. I might. Buy oh, one. of course. I'm kind of a man baby sometimes. Yeah, are we all? Yeah, uh, raise a Mary Sue. You know. <laughs> so yeah it killed the box office beat out venom from last year and man joker yes. joker was right currently it's in my top five right now for movies i've seen this year it will probably stay top five. Oh yeah Wa- like i said joaquin phoenix absolutely amazing i just not think of a better uh lead performance that i've seen within the past few years so uh, really looking excited to see the lead performance really looking excited gemini man Oh gosh! Too much Will Smith already. It just looks so. I mean, we've got Gemini Man, we've got the Lighthouse, which is going to be awesome. Zombie Land. Excited for Lighthouse for the Lighthouse. Um, a countdown. I might have to. Just what else? Take a group of people. Steve O go see countdown. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! We might have. We might have to do a special review for it. I, so yeah, I really October, want to. We've got. I love. Yeah, I love this month. 
Zombieland's coming back out. Zombieland Double Tap. It's going to be a fun one. Um, Jojo Rabbit, we'll have a review for that. Uh, Parasite, the new movie from, it's a new Korean film, which has gotten great reviews. From A24, really right? See that one. Uh, no, I don't know who's releasing it, but it's um, by the same guy that did The Handmaiden, I believe, which was another Korean film. Gotcha. All right. So we've got some good options. Well, yeah. Well, what a pod. What, what a today. Take 52, folks. Go see The Joker. It is a kind of an unsettling movie, but there, yes. there, are some, there are some funny moments in it, but I mean, you will just be mesmerized by Joaquin Phoenix's performance. It's, I mean, he knocks it out of the park. He, yeah, phenomenal job. So, yep. One hundred percent agree. That's it from me. All right. I love that dude. Love the suite. Everyone, thank you again, as always, for tuning in. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this review. We love the movie. Go see it and stay sweet. Sweet. Sweet.